morning and welcome everyone to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey to publication. My name is Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write biblical fiction. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write fiction and nonfiction. All right. Well, that part went off without a hitch. Oh, hi, Jason. Jason's saying good morning. Shell saying hello. Uh, Teresa's in chat with us today. And Barbara's asking if it's Friday already. It is Friday, which means we are live. And so are our chatters already getting the chitty chat going. Hi, Maria. Maria says hi to everyone as well. Piper says she keeps refreshing not to miss the beginning. Oh, isn't that yeah, sweet? We were, we were a little late because we were like talking about something. And after we're finished, Jamie's like, we, that should have been live. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like there's a battle between keeping the consistency of our opener and the stuff that we have going on just before we push go live. And sometimes you just don't want to interrupt it. So thanks for bearing with us. And thanks for joining us for the live chat. We always brag on you guys when we talk about how we're on a podcast that we have the best live chat in town. So thank Mm -hmm. you for being a part of that. Um, And we're going to find out what's up with everybody. You could type in the chat your what's up for this week. And I want to know what's up with you this week, Rhonda. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) this week, I don't even know where the week has gone. I, um, okay, I think everybody knows I take medicine for ADD. And this has been a medication vacation week. So I have pretty much done nothing but sort shells all week long. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. I totally enjoyed myself. Um, my mom, my writing partner is, um, diligently working on some revisions. And so that's all on track. So it's just, um, talking to some new friends and old friends and, uh, yeah, it's been a good week. I wouldn't exactly use the word old. Right. I was thinking, where am I in that list? Definitely. (laughs) That was a carefully curated keyword. You Uh know, in the Girl Scouts, we used to call them silver and gold friends. Oh, yeah. Like, we would be the gold friends, and then the new friends would be the silver ones. Oh, I can sing the whole song. I'm not going to, though. You're tempting me, Tina. What is up with you, Tina? What's your what's up for this week? Or should we wait? Are you last? I can't remember. No, I'm not last. All right. Um, Well, last week, we were talking about fans and super fans. And so I thought my what's up went really well with our topic from mm, last week. I remember now, yeah. I got some fan mail. And after I read this fan mail, I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to do another thing. Mic, I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> you mean as far as writing? You don't need to yeah, write another word. I, yeah. have, I have hit the pinnacle and there's nowhere to go but down from here. Like that's how I was feeling after. I, so well, of course, was, you've got to know what is in this awesome review. So I was just going to read you this email. And I'm not going to say their names because I did not um, ask permission to do that. So it says, hello, Christina. Thank you for following a dream and listening to God and friends to finish writing Lost in the Land of the Midnight Sun. I can't begin to tell you how much of an impact this book made on me and how many portions of text I highlighted. It was like this book was written for me in a way that it reminded me of scripture in the unique storytelling that made me truly think about the passage as it might apply to me today. You have a wonderful ability that shouldn't be hidden hidden under a basket. Let it shine. P.S. This is a copy of my book bub review. 
This book Aww. of Christian fiction will make you cry, fill you with love, and make you realize in God to put your trust. This is a wonderful book. This is a book I will read again, allowing God to speak through it to my very soul. Sincerely, wow, and then her name. What a wonderful review. That is really great. That's congratulations, Tina. And and not only did they person reach out to you personally, but they did a review, which as yeah. authors we all know, like thank you, thank you, thank you for reviews. So right, right. And um, like that's why I do it. Like that was like the whole reason to, for starting to write this book way back in the day to begin with and to have it have the impact that I wanted it to. And the, I've had other similar reviews, but this lady just really articulated it wonderfully mm-hmm. so that's right awesome. i have a comment about that so jen is very good about saying god gives you your story he's going to get it out when it's time or whatever so tina could you imagine if you had written the story with your knowledge base from 10 years ago and just put it out there would you have ever gone back to it now with all the knowledge you have about writing you know i don't know i don't know the answer to that mm-hmm. yeah so I think the story would have been wasted if you had finished it way back then. Probably. Mm. That's a very good point about everything in its time. Is that what you're saying, Rhonda? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you're getting lots of uh, congrats in the comments here, Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to hit the what's up. Marie's got a good what's up. She's uh, working on her historical fiction. She's been on a couple of guest blogs and an interview for a video podcast. Video. The Way Books. Wow, Maria's everywhere lately. She's it, an everywhere man. And stepping outside of the comfort zone. I know. Dude, that's She's amazing. Like Congratulations. Doing it. Yeah, good right. for her. Jen, good point. Yeah. Piper says her book went live. Yay. Yay. And we do have people asking in the chat the title of your book, Piper. So go ahead and put that so people can find it. But um, no links. It won't work. Um, just decide to write a new short story for a reader magnet or giveaway. Good idea. She's using a character from book two. That's what a great, a great little piece of manure that you could then spread around. <laughs> All right. Jason says he wrote 5,500 words this week. Whoa. He also created a slideshow and uh, wrote out the backstory for fun for some of his characters. About 600 words for that. Great job, Jason. Shell says a 72-day writing streak. I mean, she's sad that it's broken, but still, girl, that's like that's great. better than yeah. two months. That's great. She's yeah. still working on a short, but she's got a house guest. House guests will cramp your style, won't they, Rhonda? <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> I was gonna say, spending time with a house guest is more important than writing. Aww. And you're over there. They'll cramp your style. Like, totally <laughs> right there. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we got to find out what's up with uh, you, Jen. But first, I'll just say mine real quick. So it's not so much me talking right in a row. I had an anniversary this past weekend, which I told you all about. But the thing I want to talk about is if you ever get a chance to see the sun come up on the um, Atlantic Ocean, you should go and do that. Because, okay, I'll admit in my ditzy, confused, early morning condition, I was like, am I on the side of the country where the sun goes up in the morning or goes down at night for like two seconds? And I had to do all of my little rhymey game tricks to remember which it is. And, And then I saw the sun ball of fire and I'm like, I was right. Hooray. Here it comes. And I was so happy. It looked like a big 
golden egg yolk just being plucked right up out of the water. And the seabirds were crying out. It almost seemed like they were saying, God, God, God. And it was just so spiritual and wonderful. My husband and some random guys on the beach both took my picture because I must have just looked so worshipful about it. So it's hilarious, though, because my husband's way of telling the story is, so I woke up and my wife's not there and her shoes aren't there. So I'm like, maybe she's in the bathroom. Nope. So I go out on the balcony and there she is exchanging phone numbers with two guys on the beach. Because <laughs> they had taken my picture. You know what I mean? So he likes to tease me as our anniversary weekend. And I was talking to guys on the beach. But anyway, if you want to see that picture, that's my Facebook profile photo. So that's that. What's up with you, Jen? Okay. So my what's up is like a continuation of last week's what's up. Like Part two, not even kidding. If you guys recall last week, I shared that somebody had asked my husband how much, how, how my books were selling, basically how much money I was making. Oh, yeah. Right? It happened again. No way. Wow. A different person. Do you not just have a kidding. look on your face that says, uh, dare me to cut you or what? I don't... It can't be my face because they don't ask me. Ah. But they asked my non-computational husband. And so the poor guy, like, so the first person asked, like, he was caught off guard and we talked about it. And he's like, this is how I'm going to, if he asks again, blah, blah. But the second person was a different person. Not only a different person, but like, he was shocked that this person asked. And this person is someone he like loves and respects. And this person went further and asked more specifics and asked, like said specifically, you know, I mean, is she is she going to be able to make enough to support the lifestyle you guys are used to? What? Wow. <laughs> I I was just like, he, he, he was in the other room on the phone with me, with the person. And so I wasn't even sitting near him. So I didn't know what was going on. And we told him about it later. He's like, I didn't even know what to say, Jen. I didn't even know. He said, I just kind of said to him, well, I said, you should have said to him, why don't you ask her? Because <laughs> they won't. You know they will because they know me. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think that they will. Um, but so the first person that asked, I was just kind of like, whatever, rolled my eyes. But the second person, I'm going to confront them. I'm going to, in a loving way, go to them as a sister in Christ and ask them why they feel it's okay to question someone else's finances, why it's okay because I'm a creative, that you think it's okay to ask those kind of questions. And then ask him if he would be okay showing me his finances. And because I really feel like it's a lesson that I think the first person isn't going to learn a lesson, but I think this person doesn't understand how rude they were. And I think that, so, but my mind is blown. The more I think about the angrier I get, because I'm just like, who, like who has the right to do that? And so I, without using names, I had a conversation with my girls, their hairstylist, who's a friend of mine. And she's like, same thing happens to her. She said her husband she works full-time as a hairstylist and her husband, um, it works in, um, he's in like, not kind of similar to what my husband does, but more on like the, um, the repair side. Anyway, she got a new vehicle and people were literally saying, don't you feel bad driving a new vehicle when your husband works so hard and things like that. She's like, I make more than my husband. I'm like, who cares if you make more than your husband? It's none of their business. And she's like, people question when they go on vacation. Like, can you really afford this? Like, you know, you don't want to get into debt. And she's like, we are debt free. Like I save up for it. I said, who cares? I don't care if you did everything on credit card. Who, what is it? Anyone else's business? So it's just one of these things that's blowing my mind, but people won't ask the husbands. They and assume the husbands are like pulling the weight. Like, I don't like, I need people to help me understand this before I talk to anyone else, because I am like mind blown and really mad. And and what really gets me when you were saying that all, 
I was like, mm-hmm. are they just assuming he's going to like retire and let you support the whole family? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, that'd be why great. Is it on but like, you to, why is it to maintain right? your lifestyle? What the problem is, I believe in general, it's a general and sweeping um, statement. Okay, there's a couple of things at play here, Jennifer. You and I've talked before about expectations for single income families anyway, yeah. and people feel like they have the right to say when the primary breadwinner is injured or whatever, what will happen to you, sometimes authentically worried and sometimes under the guise of concern. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the disguise is the money for nothing uh, chicks for free dire straits feeling that just because we are creatives, we have some kind of easy life where we fart out a painting and big cash rolls in our way. Like what we do isn't really work. And we right. therefore probably aren't being compensated to the level that an executive or an engineer would be because people are jealous that we would have a career that paid our bills, even though we're creative. So a lot of times it's coming from a place of envy. Right. Okay. I've got two things to say about this. Um, First of all, thank you, Jamie, for inspiring me for my new superhero, the one who (laughs) farts out paintings and other artworks (laughs) coming soon. Second of all, um, in my lifetime, it is seemed, it seems to me that people who overstep bounds like that, those are things that they don't have control of in their own life. So they're trying to get some sort of either judgment or control over somebody else's life. Oh, so. Yeah. I wouldn't say that about the second person, but that is really good insight. I really do think that is mostly what happens. Um, Jason said, I had a person that really questioned me spending money to improve my writing since I am not published. So that really feeds into what I want to say at the end here is that, um, this person, my, my husband, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he basically answered in that, you know, she's got a business plan, um, you know, because it's never anybody that understands the industry. People in the industry, people that are studying how to publish books and studying the writing industry, they don't ask because they, they get it, right? Mm-hmm. And they also know that it's rude. Um, but people that are outside of it, they just assume that like writing is this way. Cause it's, when my husband answered him, he goes, Oh, well, yeah, I guess she's just waiting for that one big break where she sells a, bo- a million of one of her books. No, I don't want that ever to happen. Like that's not mm-hmm. sustainable. Like if you knew the industry, you would understand what mid-listers are and how many people make a living that you don't even know their names, but their fans do. That's where well, that's, I'm, lo- that's what I'm looking at. And they yeah, just don't understand that. That's like the actors that make a lifetime being in the chorus on Broadway and they're an actor for life. And people want to say, money. right. And people want to say just because they haven't heard their name that they're a nothing. It's not true. It's just not true. It's just not true. Piper says, wow, my RBF must just scare people <laughs> off. My deal, because no one asked me. Never once. Uh-huh. Never once. Um, and the thing too, that... The other thing that is crazy about this is that maybe it's the way I'm raised too. Maybe this isn't so shocking to other people. My parents, my family who love me, the people that really though, like would be concerned about me, be concerned about are my children going to be taken care of? The people that really truly love and concern me and my family and, and the outcome of this have never once asked. Right. Never would ask. Like, so how do you think that, you know, it's probably the way I was raised, the fact that this is really rude, but. I just had to share that again. So if, I know that other people out there are going to experience this. And I, and I agree with, with Barb, 100%. She said, yeah. she has an opportunity to pray for them. Let God confront them. Well, I agree. I'm praying <laughs> about, though, because I feel like that, that as a sister in Christ, 
that if someone has done something, what if they were going to do that to someone else? I would feel horrible. And I'm the kind of person that can lovingly confront this and we can have an, an educated discussion about it. So. Yeah, Piper says they're proper. In New England, they don't talk about finances, which, yeah, I mean, that's always kind of how I was raised, too. Like, it's just really none of your business, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is so good. Maria says this is the last thing we're going to say. We're going to move on. But I've also I've noticed a correlation. The people that ask how much money you're making or how your sales are doing are generally the people that will never be interested in buying. Yeah, non-readers. A hundred percent. And they don't understand the. Yeah. <laughs> like try being supportive rather than judgmental. Like you could just hear us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit more British accent. Would you like me to yeah. do it? <laughs> yes, Jennifer. We would die for you to do can it. Can we just right? get Maria on the mic so she yes, can do it? Right. Because yeah. I want to hear the real thing. Real quick. Or that little girl who read that excerpt from her book. She had a sweet voice too. Yeah, we just okay. need a soundbite of Maria saying that we can play whenever we feel like it in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to go off topic for two seconds and yes. tell Maria. That for the first time in my life, I looked up what a bean feast was, and I had no clue. <laughs> I want a feast. I want a bean feast from Veruca Salt. Why yeah. did you look it up? Like because it's a British you? colloquialism. It's oh. not like beans, like I always thought. Oh. Like I was like, why in the world would you want a bean feast? Well, Are they jelly they? beans? But no, it's it's like a party that, like, say, an employer or somebody like that would throw for people. Would they serve beans? Is that why? I have no idea. I didn't look that deeply into it. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to use that as a little (laughs) bit of a segue somehow to get into (laughs) metadata. Um, Actually, you are probably thinking, well, what is metadata? Maybe if you're like me, um, who uh, Rhonda, why don't you just take a swing at that definition for us? What is metadata? Okay. Metadata is the overarching word that encapsulates everything you do to get people to find your, whatever, your blog post, whatever it is you're trying to get attention to. So that includes keywords Mm. that includes, um, Categories, categories, yeah, just anything like that that you would put um, traditionally keywords in. Well, the first thing I want to say about that is you say data and I say data or whatever, because first of all, we pronounce it differently. Um, And I've noticed. So thank you for that wonderful definition and pronunciation. Now, here we are talking about why is it important to authors, which Rhonda gave us a pretty good clue there. Um, Mm -hmm. The search engines are going to be looking for you, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Who wants to speak on that? Like, what? Okay, so we're talking mm-hmm. about it because we're going to be talking about Amazon, but all the retailers kind of mm-hmm. work the same way. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me broaden my definition just a little okay. bit. Okay. So anybody who's been working on the internet, which I think all of us have been since the early 2000s, knew keywords were king. You have to do keywords and they've got to be slightly different from each other. And you've got to just add a thousand keywords to every post that... um Google might possibly use. Well, in the last 20 years, Google's gotten really good and they are looking more for user intent. So Ah. if I type in, um, um, how do I get people to look at my stuff online? Mm -hmm. Then they would say, 
Google would know, oh, well, this person is looking for information on metadata or So it's whatever. actually correcting your search phrase to make it more efficient, isn't it? Yes. So the AI is getting smarter. Okay. So yeah, let me just. That's what I'll, I do for a living, by the way. Yes. Before I'm we go the person any, over there trying to figure out the user intent. Right. Thank okay. you. I just, appreciate that very much. Yes. Just to clarify, the point at which metadata is important to you is when you are posting something to the internet, when you are ready to hit publish on the item, right? Like we don't need to worry about metadata when we're plotting our novel, correct? Like no, this no, no. With, this has to do with marketing. This has to do with publishing. Yes. And putting things actually out there on the internet. Yes. Though I would so, say that you, that maybe when you title your book, you need to be concerned with this because Tina, didn't you find, you found a definition from, um, was it Ingram Spark specifically, okay. which is a place that we can publish our books through. Um, that helped me to understand mm. a little bit more. So. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. So they maybe, said that the metadata includes title, subtitle, price, publication date. ISBN and other relevant information that mm. readers use to find your book. Okay. All right. So if someone's looking for your book online, it's the kind of thing they would use as a clue that they would then put into the search engine of their choice. And so Jen is saying your title would be important because if you're writing, like, I don't know, a, a, a Frankenstein retelling and someone searches the word Frankenstein, well, you want Frankenstein to be in your metadata. Right. So that your book will come up as a result. And right. so we're talking about how to improve metadata and the importance of it today. Okay. So what are some mistakes that people make with metadata? Well, going back to the original keyword, just using the old keyword data that people use for so long. Um, whether uh, So Black Hat um, SEO technology is um, tricking Google and Google is getting very good at realizing when people are being tricked. So just um, don't do the old SEO tricks anymore. Mm, so what then do you advise? I mean, so here, like, instead of saying a don't do the old mm -hmm. thing, if we've never even done anything, what mm -hmm. would you advise as a start? Look at your keywords. What categories have you chosen? That's our first thing on the bullet list here. Yes. Um, go ahead, Jen. It looks like you're antsy though. No, I finally, I finally figured out where we, someone highlighted it for me and we went back and she actually says, I didn't know where we were in the outline. Sorry. I was really trying, struggling, trying to help out with, with what we were doing. So, so what, so Sorry. yes, that's okay. So the difference between categories and keywords, this is where I struggled when I first started trying to mm -hmm. figure out metadata. And right now I'm in the process of actually doing all of this with my books, um, a calling for Phoebe and Tina has just finished doing this this last fall when she put her book mm -hmm. out. So we, we had a discussion about this behind the, the scenes too. So categories versus keywords. So when you're browsing, Tina, you were, you explained this way better. Do you mind explaining it? Or no, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. No, oh, that's fine. A category, um, when you go into Amazon or whatever bookseller you choose to go to, um, I'm familiar with Amazon. So you would browse, if you were going to browse for books, you would probably use a category to browse. And so. You um, over on the left side on the page, whenever you're looking for books on Amazon, they have like a list and those are categories and subcategories. So you might be looking for a Kindle book. So Kindle is actually a category on Amazon. And then under Kindle, you might be looking for a romance. So you would go from to, to the subcategory of romance. And then perhaps you want a Christian historical 
romance. That's another subcategory. So you would keep going down and those are all categories. So it's almost um, how your book is filed. Right. That's, that's how category. It's filed on Amazon. A keyword is something you would put in the search bar. Um, I'm looking for a millionaire meets, you know, um, farm girl. And you could put that in there. And if the right keywords have been put in by the author, their book will show up. So a person who writes, let's say, romance and say you're writing um, uh, romance, uh, like a second chance romance with a baby. This was an example I saw like recently. Um, There won't be a category that's second chance romance with a baby, but people might search for that. So this is something else. So, okay, that was a really great explanation. Thank you, Tina. Not a problem. So, in the- All right. So what's next? Should we talk about categories first? Sure. Okay. So when you're doing it, Amazon lets you choose two. And what I have found with me is the two they let me choose are very basic and they really don't help me a whole lot. But Tina, you, you found out how many can we do total? We, you can have 15 total categories. Um, and there's a procedure for doing it. You can't just go in and like click a bunch of buttons. You have to send them an email and you have to list out each category you want them to add to your book. And it has to have that whole thread. Remember where I said you would go to Kindle and then you would mm-hmm. go to romance and then you would go to historical and then you would go to fiction. So, and there's like a little forward arrow in between. And if you look on, um, Amazon, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. There's a thread. You have to have the whole thread for each category you want them to add to your um, book. And then you email that to them and they will add it. I think they call it a data string in case you guys get confused when they request the data string. That might be what they mean is all those categories longed up. Oh, okay. So the way that I find categories to be put in is I just go find authors that I know write similarly to me. And then I look at, I scroll down and I see what categories they are like, like um, listed in, right? If you scroll down far enough, you can see, you know, she is 2,750 in, and then it gives you the category and you can click on that. And um, then you can go look at other authors in that same category. So when you find like the whole string, copy and paste it into a Word document and then find the best 15 that you think fit your book. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it, and you're going to hear us mention this, we are not um, affiliates as of right now, but both he and I have subscribed to Publisher Rocket. And we think it, I think personally, I'll let Tina say, it is fabulous. It does all the work for you and it helps you find your categories. But being listed in a a category other than just the generic one that you get to choose at the beginning will make a huge difference. And Tina can speak on that um, a little bit here, right? Well, this is what that helped you, didn't it? Well, I didn't, I haven't actually added those 15 categories yet. I'm still in the general ones that I picked. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that the difference between the category I'm in and the category you're in is the number of books I'm competing against. Yeah. So since you write romance, you're competing against way more titles than I am. And so because, and so when you publish, that's one thing that publisher Rocket will tell you. Um, how many books you need to sell to make it to number one in that category in one day. Okay. Uh, so There's a whole lot to unpack. There. There's a lot of information yeah. going on. So what we're saying is what basically make sure we've got some good quality keywords, which means. No, we're not be- keywords yet. We're still in categories. 
I misspoke. So if we're talking about categories, that's what I meant. So we are talking about getting the categories correct. What other advice do we have about metadata? Okay. Uh, just real quick. So what I think is important about this, Tina could have just listed herself under Christian fiction because people think, oh, I want a broader audience. I don't want to be pigeonholed down. But then she's against a whole bunch of people and no one might ever find her book. There but we by go. Picking, yeah. Okay. Picking the proper category will help you find your audience. That's I see. I see. So, and Christian yeah. fantasy also being a smaller category also helped my book get seen more because ah. people who are want to read Christian fantasy, that's what they're typing in. Ah, that's okay. what they're looking for. Great. Well, so, yes. Yeah. So then the typing in, that brings us to keywords, right? So you want to make sure you're in the right category because that's how um, Amazon wants to file you away in their filing system. Mm. And people, when they are when they are browsing through categories, that's how they're going to find you. Right, it also has right. to do with becoming a number one. And we could probably need to unpack that on another episode. But when people are searching, that's where keywords come into play, right? Yeah, because that's what they are in the Google box. Those are the keywords. That's what right. you're telling Google. Go look at the keywords on all of the data on the internet to find me what I'm looking for. And on the Amazon. In the Amazon, I uh, think in Barnes & Noble, when someone goes to search, those are keywords as well. In Amazon, like again, we're talking about Amazon a lot, but it really works the same in all of the booksellers. But Amazon lets you choose seven keywords. But Rondo, explain us exactly what a keyword is. Is it just like one word or like what can a keyword be? A keyword is if you want to go camping this weekend and you want a tent, you would type in um, pup tent or um, two room tents or whatever. That is the keyword that you're typing in. And the longer the keyword is that you type in, a keyword isn't just one word. It can be a one word or a phrase. Mm. The longer it is, the more specific Google can get with your search results. Mm, okay. So because it's going to search for the whole keyword, mm-hmm. which is a lot more specific. So the results would be mm-hmm. fewer. Is this mm-hmm. what you're saying? Yeah, yes. Because it's such a specific search phrase that the number of results would be less and your then piece of information would rank mm-hmm. higher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Got it. Well, it's making it very understandable for folks. Mm-hmm. So All for right. me, so there's one way that you can find keywords is so for me, I went in and I started typing Christian romance or I just put in Christian and I saw what came up next. Yep. And then I tried so, Christian romance and then there would be, a, they would say maybe Christian romance be the first one, but then there'd be like four or five other ones down below it. Go ahead, Rhonda. But you're talking about the menu that pops up with suggestions. The menu. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Google and I'm specifically talking about Amazon. In Amazon, mm-hmm. when you type in, you're looking for something. So I tried to guess what people were looking for that would be looking for a book like mine. And mm-hmm. I would type things. In, and then I would, all those things coming up, that's all a keyword, all those phrases. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, talking about where to find a keyword, your personal experience is the first place you should always go, mm-hmm. uh, especially not if you're looking to buy something, but if you're looking to advertise your thing. Always use your personal experience. If Meaning I was looking what? for this, um, okay, so you have a book about Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. If I want, if I was a customer looking for a book on Sleeping Beauty, what would I type in? Mm-hmm. I would type in um, Love Story with a Rose or, you know, a Girl Who Passes Out, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so that's where you would need to start because that would be actually, uh, might give you things that Google wouldn't automatically 
pop up with. So they might not even be phrases that have anything to do with the word book or novel. It might be the content of your book that is giving you the keywords that you would want to put in. That's something I would not have considered. And how Mm -hmm. many keywords can you put Mm -hmm. in depends on what kind of media you're putting out there, right? Like it's going to vary from your... So are we talking... Maybe this is why my head is so swimmy about it. Because if we were talking about books specifically, there would be mm-hmm. metadata specific to your book. Mm-hmm. But we're talking right. metadata in general, which makes right. it seem so overwhelming to me. Right. Yeah. Well, we're talking about it for authors. So probably sure. mostly we're, we're worried about books. So mm-hmm. like Amazon allows seven. Um, I know other retailers allow more when you go to, if you publish your eBooks through draft to digital, you get a lot more mm-hmm. than seven on your um, website. You, I think you can put in as many as you want yeah. and your blogs when you're doing mm-hmm. your blog. And post. you know, when I was choosing my seven keywords, I started like broad and I drilled down as I went. Mm-hmm. And so since Ooh. I consider my book more dystopian than I do fantasy, I actually use that as a keyword. Because that's something that I search for when I'm looking for mm-hmm. books. I'm looking for Christian dystopian. Mm-hmm. And I drilled down all the way to Malamute um, in wow. my so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's and another cool. thing, too, is you don't have to only stick with that. You can type in um, a good beach book or beach read or something mm-hmm. to read on the beach or whatever. Yeah, because because it's you, you got to think about the person looking for a book. What are they going to come in and search for? And like sometimes we don't really know. Like so, when I first did my my first two books, I did like I explained it. I went up to the search bar on Amazon and I kind of typed in a few words and I saw everything else that was populated. I would click on them and I would see the books that were listed there and say, "Yep, that's me." And that's how I picked my keywords. Since then, now I'm on my third book and I did spend the, the money. It's a one time purchase uh, for the the software publisher rocket and I've learned so much and I've gone back and I have fixed my keywords for my first two, because that's the thing about categories and keywords. You don't have to keep them forever. So keep an eye on trends, keep an eye on like, say for instance, all of a sudden you see, like, say you wrote a romance a long time ago and then all of a sudden you realize, Oh, billionaire romances are popular right now. And you realize, well, my character was a billionaire, but you didn't market it that way. You didn't keyword it that way. You didn't care. You can go back and change those things. So I went back and changed and um, kind of scrolling into our next thing is that remember the beginning, Tina gave us a definition and, and part of metadata, they included title. You can do a subtitle and nonfiction is great about this. If you're writing nonfiction, your metadata should title your book. Like if people are really searching for how to write a book, you should have that somewhere in your title. Because that's much more important than the metadata. If you can put a keyword into your title, great. So I went and looked at even traditional published authors, people that I've been compared to. um, And I looked in some other books have a subtitle that include Christian historical romance or include clean Christian fiction. And so I went and I'm publishing this book with a subtitle and I'm going to see if it makes a difference. Because if people are searching for historical Christian romance, and it's in my title, it's, I have more of a chance of getting in that search for them to see that. So I'm gonna give it a try and we'll see. And most of the post-apocalyptic books that I um, read on Amazon from Amazon have a post-apocalyptic, and then they might even drill it down further, EMP story. In their title. Like the in subtitle. the title. It's a subtitle. Yep. Yeah. So I would suggest trying that. That might help with book sales too, but we'll see. Like we're all in this an experiment together, but... Mm-hmm. 
Like metadata mm-hmm. is one of those things that when you're first publishing a book, at least I did, I just kind of like, oh, this is another step I have to do. It's on the first or second page. And I, I got to get to the second page where I can hit publish. And I just threw things in there. And now the farther I get into my journey as an, a writer, I'm realizing that how important this stuff is. But the good thing is, is that you can go back and fix it. You can go back and change it. And as a self-published author, you have that right. If you're a hybrid author, you probably don't have access to it. And um, I don't know, like if you could, I would, if it were me, if I was hybrid, I would reach out to my publisher and I would ask what are my categories and what are my keywords and then I would um, if you find better ones then I would write them and say would you please switch it to these I mean you're in a partnership with them I don't see why they wouldn't so that would be my suggestion if you're a hybrid all right can I ask a question and maybe Mm -hmm. it's um, a separate topic altogether because we're getting into the subtitles but it seems to me I'm always afraid to use a subtitle situation because then it seems like every time I got to put in what is the title of your book, I got to include the whole thing, including the subtitle. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to go write, you know, um, a Beauty and the Beast retelling with an EMP twist every time I'm entering the name of my book into everywhere. And it seems to me like putting a subtitle was kind of locking you in like that's the title of your book. Am I mistaken about that? It's the title of your book as far as the booksellers are concerned. So let's say, for example, I were to put an ebook onto Barnes and Noble and an ebook onto Amazon. And I one of them was called A Calling for Phoebe, and the other one was A Calling for Phoebe with a subtitle. They may not like it may not match up as far as computers goes. But when I share the title of my book, it is a calling for Phoebe. The subtitle is just kind of like the icing on the cake, or it's the the piece of parsley that they put on top of my steak at the restaurant to make it look pretty. I don't eat the parsley. The parsley that I eat the steak, which is a calling for Phoebe. Does that help? It does help okay. because I think the parsley is ugly, and I was hoping to be able to leave it off most of the time because when I right. see that, right. To me, it screams self-published and I don't like it. But if it sells books for people, I guess you have to do it. I don't know. It just looks so gross to me. I'm so glad you said that because that's how I felt too about putting a clean romance or a Christian ro- historical yeah. romance. I felt like, oh, that's so self-publishing. So I went back and looked and I looked at, I'll tell you, I looked at Karen Kingsbury because people have com- compared me to her. I looked at um, Francine Rivers because people have compared me to her. I looked at a few other authors and they're traditionally published. They've been published for years and their publishing houses are starting to do it. So I guess it the might- readers are expecting to want it. So I'm thinking it started as a a self-published author thing, but it's works and people are buying the books. And so now the traditional publishers are like, oh, we don't want to lose those sales. So they're doing it. So as long as I can, again, blend in. So because I don't think there's anything wrong with being self-published, but there's still that whole group of people out there that don't understand our industry and Mm -hmm. think that there's right? So I just want to be able to have one less barrier for someone buying my book. That's a wonderful way to put it. One less barrier. I love that way of putting it. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, Jason just was saying, thanks for the question about the parsley and everybody is loving the parsley metaphor. That's wonderful. But yes, I agree. It is worth the conversation of adding a subtitle. Totally. sure. All right. Did we cover everything on this outline? Kind of looked like it. Yeah. I just want to say one thing and hopefully we will be able to do another podcast episode about metadata in the future, about metadata for blogging, because it's not exactly the same thing because that metadata would be only for Google or whatever search engine you're working for. So Uh, I can't take my metadata that I get from Amazon. I can't use it over on Google. Yes. Yes, you can, but it would be used slightly differently in, um, 
yeah, you can use let that. us let us know in the comments, everyone, because we are always looking for new topic ideas. Yeah. Interested? If you guys are interested in us doing uh, a metadata just on blogging, let us know because that's definitely something we can do. Rhonda um, would be our resident if, expert in that. If we do that episode, I'm going to have to do some research and see how much I can say because since I work for them. Yeah. And oh, I yes. have oh. a, a confidentiality yeah. agreement. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. oh. I might need to just be quiet during that. Oh, no, I think no. That, yeah. You can be, I'm <laughs> winking at you, Tina. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that the point is to be mindful of your categories and tags and keywords. If you are an author who keeps a blog or who mm -hmm. does do a website like I do, you do want to pay attention to your metadata over there as well. That is an important part mm -hmm. of um, metadata as an author. So just be mindful. Of it. And we may want to have an episode on hashtags. I know that's going to make Jamie's skin crawl, but that again is a form of metadata. Would you agree, Rhonda? Like it's something that helps people find your posts and helps. It is, but I'm totally distracted by the daggers flying out of Jamie's eyes right now. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, and you know, hashtags are something I just don't get. So I could probably. Again, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments what you guys think. If if you want us to talk about hashtags, or if you think, yeah, no, we got it. We don't need a whole episode on that. We're willing to talk about it. So you guys, let us know. Well, Mel Melody is advocating for metadata on blogging for authors, so that might be something we explore in future. Um, and Piper says, yes, she doesn't get hashtags either. So maybe we can hash out hashtags together sometime. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, we can get to the bottom of them and why we like them or don't or whatever. The good thing about doing these kind of topics is it helps us too. It yeah. helps us really stop and look at something that we really probably should look at, right? Otherwise, we're like, ah, and then we just keep moving on with other things. So we're getting a lot of agreement on the hashtag episode, yeah. and I'm I got my yeah. name on that list because I don't I just want hash browns. Can we stop talking about it? Because I want I my lunch now. Hash browns with salt and ketchup would be so amazing. <laughs> I love hashtags. Hashtags, my buddy. If you made it with something other than potatoes, I like them, but don't understand <laughs> radishes. Them. Radishes. Yeah. Yeah. Are they called oh. rash browns? Have you had radish hash browns? <laughs> I have. Mm. Mm. Uh, you did not have them good enough then. All right. You got to make them for me when you come back to Michigan? Sure. I'm there. Sure. Yes. All right. All right. All right. You got to invite me. I won't eat them, but I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Melody's happy she's not the only one struggling to understand this stuff, but we're here for you. We're here to inform, encourage, and support you on your journey to publication. And so, please... Keep spitting out topic ideas to us because sometimes we all look at each other like, what are we going to talk about now? And it would be nice if we could um, fulfill a request that y'all have. Um, so ooh, now we're talking about launch in the comments. I can't look over there anymore. Um, so we've covered the topic, <laughs> correct? Is it time to move on to the feeding of yes. the backs? Our backs get to eat. That's fair. All right. So Jen, I always love for you to go first. So I'm so glad was, today. Yes. What was it? Why are you glad? Tell me. Okay. So be, every time, every single time when we sit down a sprint and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I end up with like a new story idea. Yay. I swear. I need to like, I need to keep track of it because it's crazy. You like everything. And I, I know. <laughs> And no, I, don't I quit whining. The good, the good ideas will stop if you quit whining. It's part of the tradition. <laughs> now, again, it doesn't mean that when I read this, you guys are going to be like, oh, great. I can't, you know, no, I, the characters are inside of me now. I have yeah. it and I know where this is going. Thanks so it's really setup, all about man. me. 
we yeah. better be impressed now. I mean, you, you set us up to really love it. Like, what are we going to say? Oh, that stinks. You know, <laughs> this is an award winning spread. Well, right. I, haven't, I haven't heard anything that Jen's written that stunk. So I'm not worried. Oh, that's why I love you, Tina. All right. So today's sprint prompt was a um, title or topic. You did not have to use it in it, but I did. And it is called, our topic today was spring fling. And here's what I wrote. I'm not interested in being, oh, hold on a second. I got to make this bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested in being any player's spring fling. Renee looked at Chloe doubtfully. Not even Nolan Turner's, especially not Nolan Turner's, Chloe said, returning to her laptop. Great seriously, name. Renee. He is, seriously, Renee. He's the biggest womanizer. Why would any woman with even an ounce of self-respect give that man the time of day? Oh, I don't know. I think any man can be changed by the right woman, said every woman who has ever been attracted to the wrong man, <clears throat> Chloe thought. Excuse me. Come on, Chloe. Have you ever looked at him? Of course she had. She wasn't dead. Nolan Turner was MLB's hottest bachelor. Everyone knew that. The problem was, so did he. Mm. Everywhere the man went, women flocked to him, and he ate it up. And as the team's head of social media, it was Chloe's job to document or spin in a different direction, his and his teammates' every moves. If Renee had had to witness half of what Chloe had had to deal with, she wouldn't be mooning, or more correctly, trying to get Chloe to moon over the likes of Nolan Turner. With a team full of eligible bachelors, Nolan would be at the bottom of her list. You too would make beautiful babies, Renee gushed, drawing Chloe back from the Instagram graphic she was designing. She sighed and shut her laptop lid down. Renee, are you are seriously delusional. Not only is Nolan Turner the last man I would ever want to date, he wouldn't look twice at me. There's a team full of guys to drool over. Why do you keep trying to push me towards the likes of him? Renee shrugged. Because ever since you sat down here in the stands, he hasn't stopped staring at you. In disbelief, Chloe glanced at the field where the team was warming up. It didn't take her long to locate Nolan. She knew exactly where he stood. She always knew exactly where he was. And again, in disbelief, she found that Renee wasn't lying. Nolan, though playing catch with a teammate, was looking straight at her. I would say three, two, one, but I, I went a minute over. Yeah, she's like, I need another minute. I need another minute. Now we know why. Because she yeah. had to set us up for the dun, dun, dun. dun, dun Very dun. excellently done. Now Thank we must you. read chapter two. <laughs> well, probably there's so many problems in this. You guys know it's a sprint, but like I don't think that a professional player you would call it playing catch. Like I don't think that they say that warming when they're up, out there warming up. Probably, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that was that really didn't, a great way for the story to that come. That didn't out. throw me out of the story. I mean, oh, good. So, but I'm not a huge baseball. I know baseball. I used to play softball, but right. I'm not a huge fan. So maybe a fan it would have. So I have a question. You had talked about writing a baseball player story before. Like, do you Mm -hmm. already know these? Like, is this that story? Is this some other random thing? This is is part of the series. I'm going to do at least three books of baseball and at least three books of football because I am a fan of both. (laughs) So It definitely has the same feel. It definitely goes right along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Shell and Piper both really appreciated it. Shell oh, mentioned it had great tension, um, oh, and that is true. And I do like it. Ooh, very nice, Piper said. I do like it because Marnie, I think, was one of the girls, and she was very much trip over herself kind of a girl, and this mm-hmm. girl does not feel like that. So yeah, you can good. tell Thanks. that these are characters that have their own um, reality, which is going to make them fun to read. Gigi says, um, oh, I love it. And changing a man, perfect plan. Ha ha ha. 
That's awesome. <laughs> True. It never works out, right? Well, we'll see. That's great. That's terrific. I'm, Rondo, sure he's mistaken. I'm sure he's a, uh, 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 people just don't understand him. Misunderstood. misunderstood. Yes. Oh, swoony. What do you say, Rhonda? You got uh, some words to read us about um, what was this prompt again? Spring fling. Uh, fling. Yeah, I have some words. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this is the epitome of a sprint when you have no idea, you don't feel like writing in the morning and you're forcing yourself. So I didn't feel like stopping when I was done, but I did not feel like starting when I started. Wow, so, interesting. Okay. <clears throat> okay. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's what happened to me. Right. All right. She's busy working, at least, Jenny thought, hearing the thump of something landing in a trash can. Nettie made it sound like Mrs. Palmer wouldn't be able to part with anything, so Jenny was braced with plenty of reasons she should. Maybe Nettie was being too harsh on this old friend of hers. Jenny knocked, but when the old woman didn't seem to hear that, she pulled open the wood screen door and stuck her head inside, and not a second too soon. Jenny gasped at the sight in front of her and struggled to hold back the shrill noises that wanted to escape her throat. She wasn't entirely successful. The siren-like squeal that did escape caused Mrs. Palmer to spin around much faster than her 83-year-old body was capable of, and the World War I-era Hoosier butter churn she'd been holding couldn't overcome the centrifugal force of her action. It shattered against the old brick fireplace. No! Mrs. Palmer and Jenny... As far as I got. No! no! <laughs> Not the butter churn. I know it's supposed know. to be positive only, but you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't have hurt a person, Rhonda. You have to hurt an antique? I know. I was hurting myself. It was like killing a baby when I did that. <laughs> but also, I was I was working I on making the longest sentences I possibly could also. Oh, I like it. And I, I love the character me. names. I don't know why. They just seem to speak Thank to you. me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I like that Good centrifugal stuff. force made an appearance. Yeah. Science. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. around faster than her 83-year-old body should have been able to say. That was great. So great. Thank you. Yeah. And way to tell us how old she is without it feeling info dumpy. I mean, it's Thank just you. great. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got an LOL from Piper. It's funny. <laughs> All right. Really good, Rhonda. Okay. I'm going to read my next. I'm not super impressed with this piece, but whatever it is, what it is. I've already read it. You have? I watched, I watched your sprint. We got done so early today. I watched your live sprint. Are you lying? No. That's weird. I, so you went you back and watched. Along with you? Yeah. That's really weird. That feels strange to me. Such I great forget. detail, Rhonda. Gigi says just real quick while we're doing that. And then Jason, our, our, um, Chat is always behind, so I just want I want you to be able to see that. Well, yeah, and I thought she was going down too, but no, the churn, the churn had to go, had to bite it. Much worse, <laughs> much worse than the old lady. <laughs> yeah, the old lady probably get up and survive. You know what yeah. I mean? She's gonna oh. die eventually, but the churn, it the churn have been around forever. Oh man, and you know how long, how much that's been through. All right. <laughs> oh goodness, goodness me. Well, I wonder, do I even have it open here? Oops. Okay, yeah, I do. <clears throat> All right. Spring fling. She threw it out the window. Mark passed a palm over his mouth and took a sip of coffee, desperate to hide the smile that refused to stay off his lips. I don't know how she done it. Little thing like that only weighs about 117 soaking wet. Lonnie's perplexed expression did little to calm the hilarity raging inside Mark. What'd you do to get her all so fired up, worked up? Ma slid the cast iron onto the table and smacked at Mark's greedy hand. Not until we said the blessing. Every head around the table bowed, but Mark kept one eye open a slit. As he watched Lonnie sneak up to retrieve the grubby ball cap perched there, oops, and took Ma in, 
wringing her apron with fury as she called down the heavenly blessing on the digestive powers of the stomach fixins to digest another batch of her practically inedible biscuits. He wondered how he'd ever thought it a good idea to leave this place behind. Boy, that was a mess. Anyway, it's a sprint. The best reason he'd never before thought of followed the hearty amen that chorused up from the table at the end of Ma's prayer, but not before Mark snatched up the center biscuit and split it on his plate, huffing on stinging fingers before reaching for the Cairo syrup. The woman round here is crazy, Lonnie said, shaking his head that drooped, apparently heavy with masculine wisdom and experience with the feminine way. That little one who put my mattress to the road, well, she's just the tip of the iceberg. Well, you don't know any better than to get yourself into trouble now, Ma said, watching Mark take a second biscuit and another piece of sausage with that wide-eyed, satisfied expression she always wore while watching her boys eat. Mark here's a good boy. He knows better than to mess around with them trouble girls. Knows better my foot. The screen door slammed against the wall as Kitty Barnes pushed through it. He can't keep a woman around is all his problem is. Good morning to you, Miss Kitty Barnes, Ma said through thin lips. Do help yourself to a cup of coffee. May I interest you in a biscuit? Nah, you know a good old swig of the bean water's enough for me in the mornings. Kitty grinned and winked at Mark. She'd been pushing in, helping herself to a cup of Mark's Ma's coffee from the time they'd both been old enough to steal sips of it unnoticed from the woman's very cup. You need to get you a woman like Kitty, Lonnie said, with a hearty guffaw that sent biscuit bits flying. Kitty and Ma joined in on the joke, but Ma quirked a brow in the direction of the attractive blonde. How had the years been treating her since he left town, he wondered. Oh, That's my gosh. Good. I don't even know where to start. Like, oh, Rhonda such is great, talking. Such great characters. So, like, I'm so there. I want to know more about every single person you wrote about today. But I really want to point out the head... I can't, I, I could not write it fast enough. The head drooped heavy with obviously wisdom about women, like funny and picturesque at the same time. Like so good. Appreciate it. The, the conversation was so regional and so well done. I'm obviously you've been around this group of people before. Yes. They live in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. glad you didn't Definitely. say house. I- <laughs> I heard that H sound and I was like, no, don't say that. <laughs> right. The um, mother giving him the center biscuit, you know, he's got a special place in her heart and spreading the K-Bro syrup all over it. Amen, sister. That's yeah. awesome. I just love that caricature. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I want to say anybody who has not watched Jamie's live sprints, all you have to do is get a little alert on your phone and they'll pop up and they're really inspiring to watch. Because you know she's a great writer, but you actually see her like deleting what she's supposed to be doing, but oh, I do deleting too. and like changing words, and it you know it's just uh, really fun to watch. Well, I appreciate that little shout out there. Yeah, I go live, but the problem is you guys can't plan on it. Like Rhonda said, you got to get an alert because it's very random. Thanks, appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, Piper says he loved the inedible bit. She loved the inedible biscuits. That's great. Mark eats them. Ha ha, Jamie, great characters. They felt so real. Oh, thanks. I love, I love feedback time. Sitting around the breakfast table, bean water, you yep. slip in the coolest details. Yes. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Now yeah. I could get into that kind of bean feast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice callback, Tina. Very yep. good. And we still need to hear your little sprinty poop. What did you do with spring fling? We all have had a different interpretation. I, I am so, yes. I am so <gasps> excited for this. Tina wrote romance? romance? So, yeah, oh, I didn't no. intend to. It just happened. Should we send I'm, the children out of the room? Is it okay? No, it's not oh, that kind of room. All right. All right. I'm so here for it. Okay. Okay, you ready? 
Yes. Marjorie squatted in the small front window alcove of the shop, moving a pot of yellow crocuses first to the right and then to the left at the instruction of Mrs. Rochester. I can't talk today. The shop (laughs) owner. She stood with hands on hips and shouted at Marjorie through the glass. No, no, that's too far. Just to have centimeter to the right. Marjorie (laughs) followed the instruction, then reached for the red and yellow marbled tulips. Put those on the pebbles by the water feature, shouted Mrs. Rochester. Marjorie did as instructed and reached for the next pot of flowers. No, 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 shouted Mrs. Rochester. Why can't you follow simple instructions? I said next to the pebbles. On them blocks the light from shining off their polished surfaces. Marjorie gritted her teeth and put the flowers next to the pebbles. Just then a customer entered the store, announced by the jingling bells. Mrs. Rochester followed him in, all softness and charm now. Mm. The customer looked the part of a businessman. His suit seemed expensive to Marjorie, but how would she know? His black hair was perfectly groomed, and his smile revealed a row of perfect white teeth. Marjorie thought she might vomit. She supposed he probably <laughs> went for Manny Petty's also. Then he turned, mm. and the sparkle in his blue eyes caused a reaction in her middle that left her very disappointed in herself. Come on, Marjorie, she chided herself. Save your butterflies for a real man, a lumberjack, or a lineman. Marjorie turned her attention back to her work, picking up another pot of crocuses. Just wait until I'm done, Marjorie, dear, Mrs. Rogers- Rochester said in a saccharine sweet tone. I'll be right there to help you. Marjorie had had just about enough. She scrambled out of the alcove crocuses in hand and stomped up to the counter where GQ guy was pulling out his credit card. Mrs. Rochester, I am a fully trained and licensed interior decorator. I have literally done hundreds of window treatments for businesses just like yours. I do not need your help. Well, of all the ungrateful, Marjorie didn't hear the rest of her sentence because she flung the crocuses at the unbearing woman and marched out the front door. It was only when she was standing outside on the sidewalk that she realized her purse and car keys were inside in the back room. (laughs) And then the timer went off. (laughs) So GQ man couldn't come to her rescue yet because the timer went off. This is my favorite kind of romance. I love it. (laughs) You do. I love this. Will you finish this book, please? I don't know. Uh, Please. I'll beg you. At least a short story. I'll mm-hmm. put it on the list. There, yeah, right. That's me too. Long list. Put it at the top. I want to see her become like change her mind about like open her mind about what she would or I want to know what happens, like how all that unfolds. Because if it's a romance, you know there's a happily ever after, but he so is not her type. There's very right. good setup there. Very good. I just need, like, you don't have to finish it. I understand it's not your genre. I just need you to write the scene, how she goes back in to get her coat and her purse. And then, you know, there's going to be some sort of meet with him or whatever. I I just need that. I just need that because I just, that's so fun. I'm so excited. I just would like you to finish it, please. I was on my (laughs) way to that when the timer went off. So. All right. So Shell says, I love it. GQ man. Mm-hmm. Piper says, oh no, what a tenter- temper tantrum. And she said also, LOL, disappointed in herself. Yeah. Maria said, LOL, I was going to say bean water to do with, is it to do with bean fees? Maybe. <laughs> it probably seeped in there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I really like that, Bambina. I really want to know, like Jen said, the, I don't know what you would call like, oh, now you got to be all humiliated. 
Yeah, I love I'd it. Probably temporarily consider breaking in while no one else was there to retrieve my items. But the car keys, yeah, that's a problem. No, I think I think Marjorie would just go right back in there and try to act like like she still has the bravado about her. You know what I mean? And how this, how that could just be disastrous. So. Melody says, I love listening to all four stories. So wonderfully descriptive. I was engaged from start to finish. Aw, thank you, Melody. We appreciate that. It's like the most fun part of our um, of this podcast. But what is also fun for us is when you guys do the sprint and share it. So yes. that we can share it. We would love for you guys. I know some of you are writing every day. We would love for you um, to share on social media somewhere or send it so we can see it. Because we know, like, trust us. Like, we're just sitting down and writing this. Jamie shows you proof. Like, we literally sit down 15 minutes, write it, no editing. And so you guys can do the same thing. Gigi loves this part of the podcast, too. Yeah, and check it out. Like, you guys are writers, and maybe you're not ready to publish yet, but then you will have a piece of writing, okay? And even if it's just a rough draft that you never show anybody, that's going to flex your writerly muscle. And frankly, I would not uh, dissuade any writer from writing every day, if possible. If you're a writer, you should be flexing your writing muscle. And here's a group of people to keep you accountable to do that at least once a week. Join us, guys. All right. And then we got to go around the table and talk about what's next for everyone. What's next for you, Jen? All right. I'm going to go fast because I took so much time in my what's up. I, 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 that's why I think we're going long a little bit today. So I'm I'm not going to do what I was going to do, but I just want to say something I didn't answer to you, Jason, earlier when I was doing my what's up and you said that people are criticizing you for spending money on your career, even though you're not published. How in the world are you going to get published? Nobody would ever question somebody who's starting another small business of them investing in that business. Nobody would ever question somebody going to college to become a, a, an obstetrician or whatever because they're spending money, but they're not an obstetrician yet. So you just got to like, just do what you know you got to do. When people ask you that, you just got to say to them, I have a business plan. I, I'm investing in my business. That's all you got to do. So that's going to be my what's next. All righty. What do you want to tell us? What's next for you, Rhonda? My what's next is um, continue to work with mom on getting this, um, hopefully, final draft of the book out and getting it published in the next I weeks. know you guys are close, right? Yeah. yeah. Very awesome. Close. Do you have a soft launch date or not yet? Are we looking sometime April? May? Not yet. Sure. Well, yeah, I originally was hoping it would be the last week I was here in Florida, but it looks like it'll be in April sometime, unfortunately, but it'll be good. Okay. Um, I am going to ask Tina, what is your, what's next? Um, working on my book and um, doing my, the Write Better Faster class where I'm making little tiny tweaks that are having huge impacts. So Yay. I'm really excited about that. And I am I have decided to make my environment feel more creative for me. I have this little lap desk that I use. It's kind of a boring wood, light wood tone. And I have a bottle of chalkboard paint mm. in, in my craft closet. And I'm going to paint that. And the reason that the whole Veruca Salt cane thing came up, because I was talking to Jamie and I said, I wonder if anyone has ever invented pencils that are chalk. Because, you know, the chalk I have is so fat. I don't like it. Right. So I went on Amazon and I found there are chalk markers. Yes, mm. and they're great. Um, and so I was having like a Veruca Salt song and dance, like little temper tantrum because I want them now. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have the money right now. But well, that's what you, I want to do. And you've been documenting that um, uh, stuff you're learning and write better faster in your newsletter, haven't you, Tina? You want to tell people how they can get your newsletter if they want to uh, learn more about that? Go to ChristinaCatane.com and when the little pop-up pops up, sign up. 
Awesome. What's next for Piper? She's going to write the short story as her magnet and continue her next book. Shell says she's working on a short story and then she's reading a book for an ARC review, which is advanced reader copy. As for me, I have a newsletter coming out on Monday. If you head over to www.writingshorts.net, you will get that newsletter sent conveniently to your inbox. You'll also get a free copy of my short story, One Quiet Afternoon, sent directly to you for free, no obligation. But Monday, when my newsletter comes out, you'll get my throw together for Italian style tomato sauce. It's 57 cents to make it, plus the cost of random herbs that you probably already have in your kitchen covered. So go sign up, writingshorts.net, get the newsletter, learn this throw together. Okay. What else from any of y'all ladies? Anything? Just real quick, Maria says her What's Next is a podcast video on YouTube. Yay. It's called Catherine Books by author Deborah Klee. She'll share links later. Jason says he's trying to work on some transitions for chapters. His goal is for 6,000 words next week. Wow. Good for you, Jason. Awesome. He did 5,000 this week, yeah. That's awesome. Teresa says, finish first round of edits this week. Finalized plans for Camp Nano. Oh, right. we didn't even talk about Camp Nano, did we, ladies? Are mm. we doing or whatever? Gosh, don't we have one more week before then? We have yeah, one more week. We can okay. talk about it. Yeah. Mm. We're going to have to. All right. all right. So I think that that's all. Um, are all hearts clear? So I think they are. Okay. So until next time. May your pen be prolific. Oh, that concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers (laughs) Podcast. Until next week, may your pen be prolific, may your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.